plan was to have a bunch of slides on Ukraine so you could see Jerry and I traveling by train. Hello? Hello? I'm pushing. <laughs> Is it on now? Okay. Nine times out of ten, that happens. Nine times out of ten, all right. So, the plan was to have a bunch of slides from the trip to Ukraine. And uh, I got sinitis. I was really sick this last week and was not able to pull that together. So we'll do that another time. And uh, we were joking about it. I wanted, I wanted you to see Jerry in the bunny slippers. But, but he said, you were wearing some just as bad. We were in a house, and they have you take your shoes off. They give you slippers. And I don't know, it was bunny slippers. So, uh, so we'll have an opportunity to do that in the near future, OK? And uh, pray for me, because collating all those pictures is very hard, because we did it on different devices. Some of them don't synchronize with my computer. You have to transfer it to this stuff. So, so pray for us about that. So at the beginning of each year, I pray about a word uh, for the year. And uh, in February, you might remember, I shared from the front about a dream that I had. And it was really directional in regard to the word for the year. There wasn't an opportunity to really present it until now. A lot of different things happen, uh, different people speaking. But let me rehearse to you what happened, because I felt like it was an answer to that prayer. So I had a dream. And, and you know, <laughs> I have very few redemptive dreams. And I'm thankful whenever I do. It seems like I work out conflict in my dreams. But anyway, I had a dream. And there was a lot of intensity uh, going on. And I, I can't really tell you what that was. I just remember it was very intense. And I said really loudly in the dream, it's the judgment of God. It's the judgment of God. And then I woke up and I heard the Lord's voice clearly say, redeem the time for the days are evil. And I think the conflict had to do with that, uh, the season and the times uh, that we're in. So if you look at that verse, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 18, and I think I showed at that time I wanted to try to develop that, so I just went to the verse that speaks for itself. Ephesians 5, 15 through 18. And every time I read this, every single part of it is so clear and so concise. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then it talks about the negative, which is not be drunk with wine. And I think basically he was dealing with some specific issues in Ephesians. But the positive part of it came out right after that. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Be filled with the Spirit. 
Understand what the will of the Lord is. Be filled with the Spirit. Redeem the time. Be not fools, but wise. Understand the will of the Lord to be filled with the Spirit. I just found out this morning that today is Pentecost Sunday. (laughs) Very interesting. In this sense, it's talking about a present sense of being filled. It isn't just a one-time experience. It's an ongoing uh, event. It's an ongoing thing in your life. Because there are things that come into our life that empty us. We are to be filled with the Spirit. We are to be being filled consistently with the Spirit. Now, as I, as I got this, I, I felt like it was not necessarily an issue of sin, but one of priorities. You might want to write these down because I've been really meditating on myself. Priorities, focus, priorities, focus, and discipline. And discipline. Um, we might think of it this way, getting, you know, really getting control of our lives and putting first things first. And focus, I love that word focus, to focus. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, 12, 1 Corinthians 6, 12, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Similarly, in 1 Corinthians 10, 23 through 24, 1 Corinthians 10, 23 through 24, this is even clearer, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. You know, it's almost like, I mean, I think it happens as you get older and you realize you have less time and so you want to make good use of your time. When you're young, you you just feel like, well, time is going to go on and on, so there's no problem with wasting time. But I'm at the place where I just, I hardly want to waste any time. I, I get real convicted about that. But we realize, I think we need to realize that young or old, we're really in the same place because I think in the season we're in, there's a limitation. We may all hit it at the same time. Things are accelerating. I was thinking about the verse where it talked about that God would expedite the times so that the elect would not be lost. And I think we're seeing an acceleration of things uh, in this time. So what are we doing with our time? How are we spending our time? I was thinking about that. You know, you spend money, you can make more money. You spend time, it's gone. Once it's spent, it's gone. Are we doing those things that cause us, as a priority, to be filled with the Spirit? Madame Goyan, a 17th century Catholic mystic, once said, your main focus should always be on God and the activities involved in getting to know him. The activities involved in getting to know him. We're talking about priority. Abiding in God's presence is the key element to the ongoing infilling of the Holy Spirit. To abide in his presence, there's an impartation, and God continually keeps you filled with his spirit. In his presence, there is an impartation of grace and power. What are the things that cause us to abide in God's presence 
and be filled with his spirit. Well, it's interesting because the rest of the verse really addresses that. If you look back at Ephesians 5, right after it says, be filled with the spirit, it says this, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it specifically gives some things that we're supposed to do, and if we do these, we will be being filled with the Holy Spirit. The first one, number one, is worship and giving thanks. And I've really been thinking about this a lot more since I've been uh, teaching this. I've taught this a couple of times, especially this part about giving thanks, just how important that is to realize the many blessings of God, all the things he's given us, and to actually consciously thank him, to consciously thank him. But let's first look at worship. Look at Psalm 22, verse 3. Psalm 22, verse 3. Uh, this is in the New King James. It says, You are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. In the uh, King James, it says, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. In Hebrew, the word is yashab, and it means to sit down, to dwell or remain, habitation, to inhabit. So someone once said, it's as if while we're worshiping the Lord, the Lord takes a chair, brings it up, sets it in the middle of our worship, and sits down in it. He enthrones himself. So we're talking about the presence of God coming when we worship, that it's a reality. Many times we actually feel it, but whether we feel it or not, it is a reality. God's presence manifests when we worship. Look at Psalm 100, verse 3 through 4. Psalm 100, 3 through 4. <clears throat> I'll try not to clear my throat too often. <laughs> know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pastor. Now listen to this. And I think about this practically and spiritually. Spiritually, practically, as we're worshiping. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. That when we give thanksgiving, we are entering into the gates, and as we praise him, we enter into the courts. I had an experience one time. We had a meeting on Friday night in Bartlesville. About, got to be about 50, 60 people. The worship was tremendous. Philip Bernard was leading worship, and there was a young man from... Uh, Bartlesville, and it was just so powerful, and we're worshiping the Lord. And I had this vision, and I mean, it was really clear. I saw these huge gates, huge gates, and at the top of the gates, there were angels, and we're worshiping the Lord, and the angels are looking down, looking at each other, worship, and we got to the place at one point where the angels nodded, and they opened the gates, and we walked into the gates. And I, mean, I didn't move physically, but I could, as I was worshiping, I could see myself walking in. And then there was the court, and we were praising God. But whether we have that kind of incredible experience or not, that is what is happening. And I think if we kind of realize that, and there's nothing wrong with envisioning that when we worship. 
The gates are thanksgiving and the courts are praise. The scriptures exhort us to sing spiritual songs to the Lord. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15. 1 Corinthians 14, 15. And this is Paul speaking. And he said, I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Then in Romans 8, 26 through 27, it talks about what happens when we pray or we sing in the Holy Spirit. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. We might say, we don't, we don't know exactly how to praise God, but God can give us utterance. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. When we pray or sing in the Spirit, we are doing this with the Spirit, and the Spirit is flowing out of us, and God's anointing is released even as oil from a vessel. I remember one brother said, you need to keep yourself well oiled. And he said, you know, there's a sound of that oil, and that's praying in the Spirit. And as you pray in the Spirit, it burbles up and goes over and covers you. (laughs) Kind of like that. Releasing of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God. The manifest presence of God is with us. Look at Jude chapter 1 verse 20. Jude chapter 1 verse 20. And beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Uh, we've heard this verse. Uh, we think about the fact that when we pray in the Holy Spirit, we build ourselves up in the faith. I mean, that's a tremendous blessing. But at the very end, it says, keep yourselves in the love of God. There's an implication that when we pray in the Holy Spirit, we are building ourselves up and we are keeping ourselves centering ourselves in the love of God, which I would say is the presence of God, the love of God. And we are to do that, keeping ourselves in the love of God. When we pray or worship in the Spirit, we enter into God's presence and receive a filling of the Spirit. Second, what about giving thanks for all things? I was, uh, I do this. I discussed spiritual things on Facebook, and somebody took issue with me. They said, well, no, no, we're supposed to give thanks in all things. Okay? There's a subtle thing here. We are supposed to give all thanks in all things. The idea being that some things are bad and you you can't, you know, but we're supposed to give thanks in it. But here it doesn't say that. It says giving thanks for all things. It's It's like a higher level. What we're talking about is actually confessing the fact that God is totally in control of all the circumstances of our life, not in all things, thanking God for all things. Look at James chapter 1, verse 17. 
James chapter 1, verse 70. It's a subtle thing, but it's, I think it's important. James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. What the Lord spoke to me was that for every Christian, for a Christian, every gift is a good gift, and it comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no shadow of turning. Now, here's a quote, uh, Christian history biography, uh, George MacDonald, 1800s, a Victorian poet, pastor, and storyteller. He was one of uh, C.S. Lewis's major inspirations. It said this, Throughout his life, MacDonald maintained his conviction that each event came from the hand of his heavenly Father for his good. His quiet and persistent optimism triumphed over the many reversals of his life. Not because Christian faith shielded him from hardship, but because he believed that hardship and trials were the chief means by which a loving God could perfect his children. And this is a quote, What we call evil is the only and best shape which, for the person and his condition at the time, could be assumed by the best good. That is powerful. To get a grip on the fact that if you are a Christian and you have committed your life not only to Savior but to the Lordship of Christ, that he is in total control of your life. There are no coincidences, no accidents. We can worship and give thanks in all circumstances, knowing that our God is in control and that he alone knows what is best for us. I, I've had some very mysterious things happen in my life, things that I never counted on. I've been blindsided a couple of times with physical issues in my life. I just felt like I was going to float on down to 90, 91 with no problems. I really did. And that isn't the way it worked out. And it's been a real test of faith. And I, I hope and I believe that I have grown through that. But we know also Romans chapter 8, 28, which we use constantly. <laughs> we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. We need to get a grip on this. To be filled with the Spirit. We are to worship and give thanks always for all things. Now, it's interesting that these verses, as they are spoken in the Scripture, the context is that we are doing this speaking to one another. Speaking to one another. This implies that this is happening in the fellowship of the believers. So what the Lord spoke to me is the second thing that is necessary to be continually filled with the Spirit is fellowship. Fellowship. There is an infilling of the Spirit which occurs in the fellowship with other saints. 
where two or three are gathered together in his name. Look at Matthew 18, 18 through 20. Matthew 18, 18 through 20. <clears throat> Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that, it may be done, that, it, that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Now, now we can get into a long teaching about Matthew uh, 18 and 19, about this prayer promise. I think one of the main things is that if God is in our midst, that we are seeking him as to how to pray and uh, what to bind, what to loose. It isn't just our own, you know, thinking. I mean, there's probably more to it than that as we look at it. But basically, we're agreeing with God that what is in heaven will be loosed on earth. What is bound in heaven will be bound on earth. We're agreeing with God in this situation because he is in our midst. I don't think we can go around binding and loosing things. I don't think it works like that. But anyway, the last part, two or three are gathered my name. I am there in their midst. Now, this word, gathered together, it's real interesting because most Bibles, as I travel in other countries, uh, they don't have some of these nuances we have. Um, there's another one that talks about seeking God. But anyway, it basically, they just say gathered. But there's really something to this issue about being gathered together. So I looked it up in the Greek, and basically it is one word, but the only way the English could convey what the Greek was trying to say was to put two words <laughs> gathered together because the Greek actually talks about the fact that people are gathering and coming together to be in unity for a specific purpose. And that is the place where Jesus is in our midst. The presence of Jesus comes in fellowship. Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 11. Romans chapter 1, verse 11. I always wondered about this verse. For as long as I, for I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. Now, you know, when I first read that, I thought, okay, Paul wants to come lay hands on someone and, you know, prophecy or whatever. But, you know, this is something much broader, and it's very clear that I might impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you by mutual faith, both of you and me. That we build each other up in fellowship through our mutual faith. And the Lord comes where two or three are gathered in his name, and through mutual faith, we are refilled in fellowship. We are refilled in fellowship. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. I think this is especially fitting for the season we're in. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together 
as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day, this is capital D, the, the events that are happening, to see the day approaching. As the day of, this implies that as the day of the Lord approaches, it will be the manner of some to forsake assembling together. And I don't necessarily think this is talking about Sunday. You know, I think the most fellowship we have on Sunday is when we mingle during that time before the preaching. And I think there's a lot that goes on in that. But this is talking about something more. And I, I'll tell you, I strongly believe in home groups, small groups, house churches. I'm very strong about that. Uh, if you are not in a house church, I, I encourage you to pray and ask the Lord about that and, and look towards that. I know for myself, as I pray for my children, uh, there's a couple of them in particular. I was thinking about my son Josh, actually, and he really is after the Lord. But I've been praying that God would provide for him a men's group, uh, some kind of, or maybe they'd be in a house church. They're very busy uh, people with their kids and stuff, and she's got a business and education, and he's, he's still jumping out of airplanes and making money doing it, <laughs> you know, so... So I've been really praying about that for him. I just feel like to be on the cutting edge of growth, he needs to be in an accountability group where he's having input back and forth, faith coming together. And I would encourage you all about that. Here's something else that happens in fellowship. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. And I think we can see this, especially in small groups where we can interrelate, where there's an opportunity for the manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, lately, in our small group, we've been praying for people. There's been prophecy. Different things have started to happen. That's very encouraging and less intimidating in that kind of setting. But here's what else happens in fellowship. Ephesians 4, 15 through 16. Speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Our group has started to grow quite a bit. People New people have come in, and our group has grown, and we've been going through a book by uh, Andrew Murray. But, you know, there's times I just sit back, and, that, and everybody's ministering to each other. And this one's saying prophetic things, and this one's saying, yeah, and God spoke to me this, and I'm just sitting there. I mean, that's really what it's, what's supposed to happen. It isn't supposed to be another setting like this where we don't participate. There's a participation of speaking the truth in love, growing up in all things, joined and knit together, effectively working by which each part does its share, causing growth of the body, edifying itself in love. In fellowship, we have the opportunity to function in our gifting, which causes growth and edification of the body, that we might grow up in all things into him who is the head, to grow up into maturity. So it says in fellowship, we are to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And through our mutual faith, receive a fresh and filling of the Holy Spirit. 
because where two or three are gathered together, Jesus comes and is in our midst, as in our midst. I'd like to add one more point that has really been pressing on me that is not mentioned in this area that I believe is a way that we can help remain filled with the Spirit. Number three, the ministry of the Word of God. The ministry of the Word of God. You cannot get too much of the Word of God. I've gotten to the place where, you know, it's on my phone, so that's great. And uh, my wife had some eye appointments, different things, you know, and basically they always want you there early, six o'clock, and they don't see you till 10. You know, this is typical. So, I mean, that's great, man. I'm just reading the Word, you know. That's great. Redeeming the time. <laughs> You're redeeming the time. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. You find yourself in those same settings. Take advantage of it. Hebrews 4, 12 through 13. For the Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. The word of God is living and powerful. It divides between soul and spirit, setting your spirit free. It discerns the thoughts and intents of your heart and brings conviction and repentance and deliverance. And in that place, you are not hidden from his sight, but you are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account that we are in the presence of God. And in the presence of God, there is an impartation, an impartation of the Spirit and of the power of God. The Word of God is alive. It's filled with power. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. 2 Timothy 3, 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. It brings you onto maturity. This word inspiration in the Greek is theoponotus, and it means divinely breathed, or it can be translated the breath of God. The word of God is filled with God's breath, his spirit. This is not just words in a book. This is not just words in a book. This is truth and spirit. When we partake of the Word of God, we partake both of spirit and truth. Now here, here's another scripture on the Word of God. It's one of my favorites. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 through 21. 2 Peter 1, 19 through 21. We have the prophetic word confirmed. That's what this is. This is a prophetic word. These are prophetic words and they are confirmed. 
which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts until the coming of the Lord, we are to heed this as a light shining in a dark place. No prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. This word is to be interpreted by the Holy Spirit. It says the Holy Spirit will teach you all things, the Holy Spirit will bring all things to remembrance. It is a living word. It is filled with spirit and truth. And as we, release, as we read it, it's released into our lives. It's released. There's another verse that talks about when my word goes forth, it does not return void. It accomplishes that which I propose, and it prospers in the thing for which I have sent it. And even if you don't sense it, it's happening. It's happening. It's changing you. That's a dangerous book. Because you go in there, you're not going to come out the same. And th this, is, this is the Word of God. And Jesus is the Word of God in the flesh. And the more you get into this and the more you soak in this, the more you become like Jesus. And I told someone one time, I said, if you want to be like Jesus, you need to spend time with him. You become like those you spend time with. And so you spend time in the Word of God with Jesus. You spend time in prayer with Jesus. And you will be conformed into his image. That's what the scriptures say. The word of God is not man's word. It is inspired by God. It is God-breathed. It is light. It is spirit. And it is truth. As you abide in the ministry of God's word, we receive the spirit of God and we are refilled. So, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time. Because the days are evil. That, that's not hard to believe. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Be filled with the Spirit. It's an issue of priorities. It's an issue of focus. It's an issue of discipline. It's an issue of you getting control of your life and putting first things first. All these other things will line up, and if you put first things first, the rest of it just falls into place. It falls into place. Number one, through worship and the giving of thanks in all things. Number two, through fellowship. Number three, through the ministry of the Word of God. Let me finish by quoting a few stanzas of a well-known hymn that came to me as I was working on this teaching. Rise up, O men of God, have done with lesser things. Give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the King of kings. Rise up, O men of God, his kingdom tarries long. As faithful workmen, watch and pray and light the night of wrong. Rise up, O men of God, the church for you 
doth wait. Your strength unequal to the task, but Christ in you is great. Lift high the cross of Christ. Tread where his feet have trod. As brothers of the Son of Man, rise up, O men of God. Rise up, O men of God. Have done with lesser things. Give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the King of Kings. Amen.